With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things. The QuantEdge.com, great daily fantasy sports website, betting website. They have it all over there. I've been doing a lot of the baseball work on the batter breakdown and MLB DFS quick hits this season, and they, they kicked off last year with NFL. This will be year two of the product. They have a great new website coming out. Awesome new tools. Elliot sent me some samples of them earlier today. They are outstanding, and they have a great deal right now. When you use promo code Bubba, you can buy the NFL Season Pass for $149.99, and you get the rest of the MLB season for free. I highly recommend it. If you play NFL DFS, you play MLB DFS, you play both. It is a deal worth getting on. NFL Season for $149.99. Promo code Bubba gets you the rest of MLB free. Also, if you give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd much appreciate it. It would help the podcast out a ton. Welcome to Benched with Bubba, episode 188, your AFC and NFC South fantasy football previews with our good buddy Colin Weatherwax of PitcherList.com, QBList.com, and Friends with Fantasy Benefits. Back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 188. Another football podcast here at Bench with Bubba. Going to preview the AFC and NFC South. Talk about some fantasy relevant players and much, much more. In order to do so, got a friend of the pod coming back. He usually talk baseball with Mr. Weatherwax. We're going to talk some football today as he's a member at QBList.com. He also does work at PitcherList, Friends with Fantasy Benefits, and he's on Twitter at CWeatherwax13. Colin Weatherwax, how are we doing tonight, man? Doing great, Bubba. Thanks for having me again, man. Always a pleasure. I'm glad you could uh, help me out in uh, this this time of need to get uh, get this football stuff rocking and rolling. Always love having you on the show, and uh, it'll be fun to talk a little football with you, as I don't think we've done that yet. So it'll be no, cool we stuff. haven't. Yes, um, definitely. 
before we get into the, the Southern divisions, I guess I'll call them. Um, why don't you let everybody know, like, I know a lot of the listeners know you from baseball. If you want to plug your baseball stuff, you're more than welcome to. Why don't you let everybody know what you got going on at the QB list this year? Yeah, so uh, I actually got hired on in the offseason um, at QB list. And so our launch day was actually this Monday. So we've only been, the site's only been up and running for about three days now. Um, so definitely go and check it out at qblist.com. There's, it's pretty much, if you, if you follow pitcher list, it's, it's going to be the same realm as, as what's going on at pitcher list. There's some going deep pieces on guys like Saquon Barkley, David Johnson. Um, we'll also have, we have the uh, rookie rankings. Um, so for your, for your dynasty or keeper leagues, um, you can definitely use those rankings to to your benefit. Um, we also have some strategy pieces going out. So I think there's a zero RB strategy out right now on pitcher list, or I'm sorry, on QB list. Um, and then there'll be a lot more draft strategies, uh, especially whenever we get really close to, uh, you know, the main draft season for the NFL. But it, it's crazy because I, I've, I've been seeing all over Twitter today, it, we're 50 days away from, from the yep. first football game and it's just crazy i couldn't believe it i thought we were still you know 100 days away or something but um once you once you start to creep into august you know the preseason's about to start um us at qb list are going to be all over the preseason we'll probably do some what we saw um and also kind of looking towards the preseason games as well um those are articles podcasts uh just a little bit of everything so we're really excited over at qb list to to kind of provide all this content uh, if anyone's talked to Nick, I know you've talked to Nick Pollock, Bubba. Um, you know how excited he he gets just about baseball stuff. Um, he's he's not over the QB list uh, site. We have Eric Smith, who's the head of QB list, but um, you know it, it's it's been great so far, and there's a lot of great content that's going to be pushed out um, once we get closer to the season. Yeah, I'm really really looking forward to it. Colin and I kind of talked about it before the podcast, but. For those that have listened to Bench with Bubba enough, you know how much I love the pitcher list people. I have a lot of them on the show, and for good reasons. They're very knowledgeable. They're fun to talk to. And we talked with Ben Palmer earlier, and he mentioned uh, QB list coming up. And um, I'm looking forward to that. I have a good good hunch there'll be a lot of QB list people on Bench with Bubba throughout the season. As um, If it's going to carry over anywhere close to what pitcher list does, it's going to be a great website. And uh, you guys are Really looking forward to it. Nicest way, the easiest way I can say it. Really, really looking forward to what they have going on over there because they, they make it fun reading and still bring that big statistical impact that fantasy is turning into. So it's not like overwhelming with the with the, the stats, but it's, it's it's everything you need and more sometimes. So it's, it's really awesome, and, and I'm looking forward to it and seeing how they do it with, with a football twist. And I know Nick's excited because I heard him on uh, his first pitch podcast. I think it was Monday when he has launched he was having trouble talking because he was so excited about it. So it was, it, it <laughs> That's was, Nick all the time, though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, for those that don't, do know Nick, he's either always excited or he's always having he's trouble with words. So it's always always fun with Nick Paul. But uh, I'm great for podcasting. To trouble with words. <laughs> yeah, and I've, I've had that lately. As we get into doing these and DFS and doing multiple podcasts a day, I've noticed certain times I start getting tongue-tied when I used to not get tongue-tied because it's just so many words in a day. That's all there is. Yes. But um, let's, get let's get to football. Let's get to football. You Like you said, you, you've gotten into it. You've been doing pods for Friends and Fantasy Benefits. You're doing QB list stuff. We're going to kick it off with the AFC South, the NFC and AFC East last week. Going to the AFC South, the way it ran down last year, Texans 11-5, and five, Colts 10-6, and six, Titans 9-7, and seven, the Jags 5-11. and 11. So we'll kick it off with those Houston Texans, the defending – AFC South champions and 
for those that don't remember, they started off the season dreadfully. And they went on just a massive tear to get to the postseason. We got um, Deshaun Watson, one of the top quarterbacks in fantasy, coming back this year. He had an injury-plagued season. He's going to have Lamar Miller in the backfield, Deontay Foreman, hopefully healthy. And that receiving core, one of possibly the top wide receiver in the NFL, and DeAndre Hopkins. You got Will Fuller, Kiki Kuti. Lots to like with this offense. How are you looking at this from a fantasy standpoint? We can start off with uh, Deshaun Watson. Where do you have him kind of? You mentioned you did your quarterback rankings. Where does he rank out for you? Yeah, I love this offense. Uh, you kind of talked up, you know, they might have arguably the best wide receiver core uh, when healthy. Whenever you're talking about DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, and Kiki Kuti, who, who came into the league last year. Um, so there's a lot of weapons here for Deshaun Watson. So for that reason, I have him ranked as my QB number three. Um, over at QB list, we do him in tiers, and I actually have um, him in the first tier. So I have Rodgers, Mahomes, Watson, and Luck in that order in the first tier. So these are all guys that I would not be surprised uh, that they end up as the QB number one going, you know, whenever we get finished with the fantasy football season. And Deshaun Watson last year, I mean, what can you say? The guy threw for so many yards. He, he's always a threat on on the run, which was a question mark coming into the season based off of his ACL injury. So obviously he's fully recovered from that. Um, we get a whole nother year um, removed from the ACL injury. So uh, we're really excited to see, you know, what Deshaun Watson can do with a, a full complement of, of receivers. Uh, you mentioned Lamar Miller, who's definitely being overlooked in draft season so far. Uh, Deontay Foreman, who might be able to, you know, burst onto the scene as long as he's fully recovered from that Achilles injury. So I have no doubts in Deshaun Watson this year. I'm perfectly fine with drafting him as my QB1, uh, if that's the way the draft board falls. Yeah, I'm seeing that a lot. He's the third QB off the board, according to Fantasy Pros ADP right now, roughly 53rd or so overall. And we talked about DeAndre Hopkins, and you look at, you know, when you hear the wide receiver discussions everywhere, it's Hopkins, it's Adams, it's, you know, Julio Jones. Those are like the big three. You got Thomas, OB, OBJ, and everything. When you're looking at DeAndre Hopkins, and, you know, when you're deciphering between these these upper echelon wide receivers, it's pretty much like, okay, you know, take your guy. It's really not the end of the world, whichever one you take for the most part. But when you're looking at a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, is he your number one at this point in time? Definitely. Um, I have no doubts in DeAndre Hopkins, just the target share alone. Um, we've seen, you know, in the past, you know, four or five years since he's been in the league, um, you know, just kind of middling his way through those awful quarterbacks that Houston has had before uh, Deshaun Watson. And now, you know, he's got Deshaun Watson back there. who's going to throw him the ball just as just as much as everybody else has. Uh, but they're going to be a little bit more accurate, I would say. Uh, so really looking forward to him this season. Uh, right now, I actually have him uh, as an overall standpoint. I have him right behind the top four running backs that are going off the board. So you're talking Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, and Alvin Kamara. Um, I'm putting him right after those four. So if I if I have the fifth pick through the ninth or tenth pick and DeAndre Hopkins is sitting there staring at me in the face in a redraft league, especially PPR, um, I'm definitely leaning towards DeAndre Hopkins and not having any issues with it at all. No, I like that because I've been hearing that, listening to things, reading things. I, uh, the Hopkins, Devontae Adams consistency, those guys, there's a lot of guys starting to take that chance, jumping up uh, right after those big four. And that's why I think a lot of guys want the, the either the top four pick in a draft or the wraparound pick. But I think DeAndre Hopkins with a healthy Deshaun Watson, because I, I have to keep reiterating, 
he was not 100% a lot of last year. So you throw a, a healthy uh, Watson with what's supposed to be a better offensive line this year because, honestly, it can't get much worse than last season's. Uh, that could be a scary one-two punch right there. And, you know, you can get DeAndre in the first round if you get, you get one of those mid-round picks, then come back in the middle of round three or so or, you know, around four or five if you're take QB early, which not everybody is. But if you could pair that one-two punch up, that's like having a DFS stack weekly that's going to be pretty pretty darn solid. Um, when you talk about other wide receivers there, Kiki QT out of the slot, he had some moments last year. His name's popping up as having a heavier role this year. And then Will Fuller, when he was healthy, was always great. But that's the big caveat when he was healthy. When you're looking at your drafts early on here, you did the Scott Fishbowl and, um, you know, you've probably done some mock drafts or some best balls or something. How are you looking at the Fuller and QT maybe as later, like second and third wide receivers? So I don't really mind them in a best ball format. Um, the, the one issue that I have um, is is definitely the health, which you which you already touched on for, for both the guys, really. I mean, Will Fuller, when he's out there, um, we've seen the streak that he can go on. I think it was, what, eight or nine games in a row where he had a touchdown with Deshaun Watson starting at quarterback, which obviously is unsustainable. But whenever you're talking about a deep threat that's going to get single coverage due, due to DeAndre Hopkins on the other side, um, there's always that chance, especially with a deep ball guy like Deshaun Watson. So I'm a little bit cautious when it comes to Will Fuller in a redraft league. Um, and also, I'm not really looking for a wide receiver three whenever he's coming off the board. Right now, he's coming off the board at pick number 79 overall, which is the 32nd overall wide receiver. And by then, um, based off of my few drafts that I've done so far, I've already got my one, two, and sometimes three wide receivers locked up. So if, if I want a high upside bench guy, he's definitely on the board for me. Um, there's no question about the talent, but there is the risk of the injuries that he's had in the, the past couple of years. So that's always something to keep in mind. As far as Kuti, um, he, he seems to be a consistent PPR guy. Um, he had a couple breakout games last year. Then he had some hamstring issues. He got on the field late. Um, so if he can come into the season completely healthy, I think, like you said, they're going to be they're going to be a high flying offense. So um, there's going to be a lot of balls thrown around, and if he can sustain himself as the third wide receiver in this offense, he should get enough looks to be you know wide receiver three um, or flex considerate um, most weeks. But he's he's kind of in a PPR. He's safer in a standard scoring league. I don't I don't know if he's the guy that I'm going to go out and get. Yeah, no, and that's kind of how I felt with him last year. It's kind of a, a streamer. Like when you talk baseball terms, kind of a streamer. He's, he's there, maybe a late round or a wide receiver three flex certain weeks, other weeks, not so much. Uh, definitely PPR only with QT. He's more of a volume guy to me, at least. Where Fuller, he's, he's going for the big fly and making it happen. Uh, last question I have here with the, with the Houston Texans. We kind of talked about him briefly, but Lamar Miller, you know, he had his moments last year. Where he was really productive. Other moments were not so much. He's like the 31st running back off the board right now. So essentially, he's a late round, or if you go zero running back, it's at least a starting running back. Uh, when they de- they drafted Deontay Foreman a couple of years ago out of Texas, they really wanted to be the guy. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. Are you looking at these running backs here in Houston at all, or are you just, you know, I'm going to pass and I'll get running backs elsewhere? You know, usually um, in the past with Lamar Miller, he's been a guy that I've faded every single year just because the price point was way too high. Um, for a guy that wasn't all that interesting. Uh, but coming into this year, like you said, he's he's running back 31, which is sandwiched between a guy like Tevin Coleman, who might not even have the starting job, 
and then Miles Sanders, who also might not have the starting job. So if you're telling me I can get a starting caliber running back, um, the 31st one off the board, there's not that much of a price to pay. And like you said, in a zero RB strategy, perfect guy to to pair with, you know, a high upside guy that you take later on in the draft. Um, and I also don't mind pairing him with Deontay Foreman. Uh, if Deontay Foreman can come back completely healthy from that Achilles injury, um, I do believe he's the most talented back in this offense. And so, you know, it wouldn't hurt to to invest what? Uh, what would that be? Probably a sixth round guy in your RB1 or two if you're doing zero RB and Lamar Miller. And then, you know, pretty close to the end of the draft in a redraft league for Deontay Foreman. So, yeah, I have no problems with this offense. They're going to be running a lot of plays. Um, and the running backs are going to see some goal line carries. So I have no problem with any of the running backs or any of the wide receivers. Yeah, I'm with you there because this offense, like you just said, it's going to be a very high-powered offense. And, you know, the Colts' defense isn't that great. It, got, it improved a bit, but it's in, on paper still not going to be great. The Jags should be pretty good, but the uh, the Titans – you never know. So I really think this Houston offense will be something to, to really be fantasy viable there. Let's go to the Indianapolis Colts. Finished second last year, 11 or 10 and 6 in Frank Reich's first season. Really got people pumped because it's been a rough go there of late. Uh, Andrew Luck looked phenomenal. The um, captain, Andrew Luck, was outstanding. Lots of good stuff there. The running back situation, Marlon Mack is very highly talked about. We'll get into him in a minute. But you got T.Y. Hilton. They picked up Devin Funches, Chester Rogers out of the slot. Eric Ebron had that monster year. People still forget Jack Doyle's there. So a lot of things to talk about here. But for you, Mr. QB List, where are you looking at Andrew Luck right now? Because this is a guy that we know throws it everywhere. He threw it more than almost anybody in football last year, if not more than anybody in football. And when you look at um, the QB consensus ADP right now, he's the second guy off the board. So we just talked about the third guy off the board. Where do you have Andrew Luck? So I have him ranked fourth. Um, like I said, he's still in that that top tier of guys that I think can eventually be the quarterback one by the end of the fantasy football season. So I have no problem drafting him as my number one quarterback. There's enough upside and safety whenever you talk about Andrew Luck. Um, you know, coming into last year, there was a whole bunch of question marks. So he was going late enough in drafts for, you know, a lot of people to to kind of draft him as their QB two and just hope for the best. But this year, you got to pay the price. Um, obviously, like you said, Captain Andrew Luck came back in, in full form. He's a guy that can throw it all over the place. Um, never going to have an issue with yards, with touchdowns. Um, really smart with the football. So not that many interceptions. And he's also going to do something with his legs, too. So uh, he's kind of the all-around quarterback, uh, quarterback one for me. Um, no, no really doubt about it, especially with this offense. Yeah, I'm with you. There's there's not much not to like when it comes to Andrew Luck. Let's go to the wide receivers for Luck, though. When you look at PPR scoring, T.Y. Hilton, we know how much him and Luck have like a great rapport. He was a little banged up last year, but one thing with T.Y. you could count on, he took the field pretty much unless he was like a broken bone. Like he was out there regardless week in and week out. And right now he's about the 11th wide receiver off the board, 28th overall, right between guys like Adam Thielen solid receiver right behind Keenan Allen, right before Amari Cooper and Stefan Diggs. So an awesome grouping of receivers that you'd expect. But how are you looking at T.Y. Hilton? He's getting older. Eventually it's going to slow down, but, you know, we haven't really seen it yet. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he kind of came out of the gate last year. Um, right before their week nine bye, he only had one 100-yard game. He had four touchdowns. Uh, one of them was a two-touchdown performance on four targets. So, it's a little little fluky there, but then right after the bye, 
I mean, you're talking, you know, a 199 yard game, 155, 125. Still only had two touchdowns after the week nine bye, which is a little, a little worrisome for me. Um, he feels like a gadgety type guy, and you're paying up for the price, obviously, for the name. But there's a lot of other guys, especially in PPR scoring, where I like to go with like a guy like Keenan Allen, like you said, who has a role. Um, people have, have labeled him as like an underneath receiver, but he does have the red zone ability um, that T.Y. doesn't have. And like you said, he's getting older. So there is that that worry with T.Y. Hilton. Um, you know, you said they brought in Devin Funches. I, I'm not really sold on Devin Funches. I think this is yeah, that's a tough beginning sell. of the end. <laughs> That's yeah, this is the beginning of the end for him. Um, you said Chester Rogers is the slot. I think the guy to watch in in the other wide receivers in this in this group is Paris Campbell, uh, the guy that drafted in the second round. Um, he's a speedster, kind of like T.Y. Hilton. Um, he he's a guy that I'm going after late in drafts. Uh, you don't have to pay the premium, and there isn't really much ahead of him. You know what I mean? With uh, with you know, Funches, who we mentioned, Chester Rogers, that he has to beat out. Um, he's explosive. Uh, he came out of Ohio State. They used a second-round pick on this guy. So uh, he's, a, he's a guy as, as a sleeper uh, coming into the year that I'm really high on whenever you throw him in Andrew Luck's offense and just watch him work. Yeah, I love it. That's a great call there because, A, you mentioned the fact he's a second-round pick means they value him. He's a very talented player. So most higher picks, not always <laughs> – they're going to get on the field a little more often than not. He's going 52nd uh, wide receiver off the board, 140 overall. And you got him in the Scott Fishbowl. What, whereabouts did you grab him at? Because, like you said, if he can sneak in there because Chester Rogers is good and all, but you know, between Funches and Rogers, you know they're going to have a few issues here and there. If he can you know, make a name for himself in an offense that will throw it a ton, this is a good pick. And uh, where did you happen to grab him at? So I got him in the 13th round in the Scott Fishbowl. Um, my draft was a little bit different. Uh, for the people that aren't familiar with Scott Fishbowl, they are really um, tight end heavy as far as the stats go. Travis Kelsey was drafted first overall in a lot of these leagues. Uh, in my league, all three of the top tier tight ends went in the first round. So I had the eighth pick. I ended up with Hopkins, who we already talked about. Um, but I started off my draft with Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, and Stephon Diggs. So I kind of zigged while everyone else zagged and, and went after the tight ends. This is also a two Q, QB league. Um, so a lot of people were overdrafting quarterbacks as well. So I, I didn't really need Paris Campbell, but whenever you have four studs like I drafted, um, you can kind of take some shots in the later rounds. So in the 13th round, I was perfectly fine with taking a flyer on a guy that has a lot of speed, um, a second round pick, like we discussed playing in Andrew Luck's offense. I think you could, you could definitely do a lot worse than that. Yeah, I'm hundred percent with you. And I'm not a Devin Funches guy. I'm sorry. If anything, he's a big target, but they have that at the tight end position, Jack Doyle, who used to be a beast. He just couldn't stay healthy last year. And Eric Ebron, he finally did what so many were begging for in Detroit. He did it last year, maybe because luck's better than um, Stafford. Who knows? But um, when you're looking at the Doyle Ebron situation, because Ebron, He's coming at a, a decent price tag when you look at the tight end position uh, outside of the big boys. Like you got the big four or five. Ebron's the seventh guy off the board when it comes to tight ends. But if you believe that there's a Doyle bounce back and this could be a big speculation, you never know. You can get him at 19th tight end off the board. How are you looking at guys like Ebron and Doyle in this high-powered offense? 
in the PPR scoring that we're using for this podcast, Jack Doyle is my guy all day. Um, I have no faith in Eric Ebron repeating what he did last year. Um, this this is kind of the the guy that you look back on in his career and you're like, oh, look at this one season that he had. And then everything else is, is absolute crap. So uh, I, I can see him turning back into a pumpkin. Uh, Jack Doyle was perfectly fine before they got Eric Ebron, a PPR monster guy that has sure hands that Andrew Luck trusts. He did have hip surgery in the offseason, so you got to make sure he's he's out there whenever training camp starts. But um, whenever you're talking about tight ends, it, it's better for me to wait if I miss out on the top tier guys and, and you know do a speculative ad and and try and end up with this year's Eric Ebron. I'm 100% with you. On, my, on the last football podcast last week with Joe P. Sapia, we talked about some of the tight ends in the Eastern, and it came down to you know there's the top four or five guys and we compared it to like relief pitchers in fantasy after the big boys are gone, just take speculations later. Cause you can just stream them if you have to. So Except why not this take... year? Well, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, definitely <laughs> going into draft season. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but Doyle, like I, I'm with you there. People like forget how good he was. He was one of the top like five, six, seven tight ends on the regular there. So I, I like that call there. Uh, the running back position, we've got Marlon Mack. Uh, he had very good games last year. The whole backfield as a whole was kind of sketchy. Um, people are really high on him, really, really high on him everywhere you listen. 18th running back off the board, going about pick 35 overall in PPR scoring. You know, Naheem Hines is there. You know, he was okay in spot roles here and there. As a whole, not a ton at the position. How big are you on Marlon Mack this year? So I absolutely hate Marlon Mack. Um, that being said, at QB List, I know that there's going to be a, a going deep piece on Marlon Mack uh, from one of the guys that's in the staff. I believe it's either going out this week or next week. I can't say for sure, but that's a piece that I'm going to go out of my way to read because, like you said, there's really nothing behind Marlon Mack to to kind of compete for the touches unless you're still a Spencer Ware believer. <laughs> um, but that being said, I just can't get behind him at his current price as the 18th running back coming off the board, 35th overall. So you're talking beginning of the third round that you have to go out and get this guy. Um, so I, I looking at the at the rankings that we're looking at, I like Josh Jacobs who's going after him. I like Sony Michelle, Philip Lindsay, uh, even Kenyon Drake that's going after him. So um, whenever you're on QB list later this week to try and look for that Marlon Mack piece because it's a piece that I'm going to be looking at to see if he can actually talk me into drafting him. Because right now he's he's pretty much on my do not draft list. Nice, nice. Uh, and the one last thing we don't have to discuss this at all. I just want to bring it up for the listeners. I mentioned how you know the Colts defense will likely be somewhat improved. I really like what their front office does. I think they're really savvy the way they've been drafting of late. You know they got the old line last year. You look at they picked a cornerback, a linebacker, a linebacker, a safety, a safety, a linebacker, a DN, a tackle, a center, and a wide receiver. So all those. Defensive positions, they're going to try to fill some voids there. By no means am I saying go run and draft the Colts, but something to keep an eye on in the preseason that maybe some things changed a little bit there in Indianapolis uh, to try to keep up with that Texas offense. Um, let's go on to the Tennessee Titans. They went 9-7 and seven last year. Like last week, you know, the good offenses we'll talk about quite a bit. Some of these other offenses, they won't have as many relevant parts here. Um, with, the, with the Tennessee Titans, you have Marcus Mariota back under helm. They somehow went out and got Ryan Tannehill, those foolish, foolish guys. Um, as a Dolphins fan, I can say those things. But uh, Mariota's here. We know when he's healthy. He's got some fi- fantasy viability. 
He's free in drafts right now, 28th quarterback off the board, 235 overall. Do you have any interest in a guy like Marcus Mariota? I do not. He is in uh, – he's, he's at the top of my last tier of quarterbacks, but that's that's ranked number 27. Um, you know, I, I've been a Marcus Mariota believer in the past, but there's just so many times that you can believe in a guy and for him to let you down as many times as he has. Um, I'm not going to go back to the well this year. So if this is the year, so be it. I, I probably won't own any. Or if I see some some huge improvement, he's a guy that you can pick up on the waiver wire. So um, there's there's really no reason to draft him going into the draft season. Yep, he's going around guys like Andy Dalton, Eli Manning, Joe Flacco is going right above them, Joe, Josh Rosen even. Um, not great guys, but a bunch of guys that will all be around there that you can kind of mix and match with if you need to. His wide receiver core, you know, Tajay Sharp, but Corey Davis is the guy that I think a lot of people want to talk about. There's a few other. They, they have a deep core. It's just a core of a bunch of who's who's and misfit toys. But um, Corey Davis, explosive, explosive receiver. You're not big on Mariota, but are you interested in a guy like Corey Davis for fantasy? Not really, unfortunately. Uh, another bridge that's pretty much burned for me. He, he is like the prototypical guy where you close your eyes and you say, if he was on the Patriots, like we used to yes. do all the time, whenever the Patriots had no receivers and they, they made these nobodies, somebodies, um, he would be amazing on the Patriots. But unfortunately, he, he's on Tennessee uh, with Marcus Mariota as his quarterback and not the GOAT. So that can change a little bit. Um, you know, with the way that he's – with where he's going in draft season, he's sandwiched between guys like Christian Kirk, um, Sterling Shepard, Marvin Jones – Larry Fitzgerald, Golden Tate, those are all guys that seem to be more higher volume, um, especially whenever you whenever we talk about Derrick Henry, who is the horse in this offense. Uh, they're going to pretty much run him into the ground, I think, this year. So they're going to they're going to play the run and then try and try and t- catch the defense off guard with the pass. And that's not an offense that I want to be a part of, and not a wide receiver that I want to be counting on week in and week out. Well, you just said it there, a good segue from another guy that podcasts on the regular, Derek Henry, 17th running back off the board, 33rd overall. He's being talked about everywhere that this is fine of the year. And Colin, I know you've you've heard it too, is every offseason it feels like this is the year for Derek Henry. And then he lets all of us down until like week 10 or 11. And then he's <laughs> a, a fantasy monster again. And you buy back in year in and year out. You seem like you're bought back in. And I'm not saying it's not a good call because if they use him, it's great. For some reason, they just don't they like you know him, and, and he like to mix it up there in Tennessee. What's your? Are you in on Derrick Henry? Do you like this? You know, seventeenth running back off the board value. I do, um, which is a little bit crazy. Um, I'm not that big of a fan of it in a PPR setting because he's a guy that's not going to catch any passes. Uh, there's still Deion Lewis behind him, who they'll bring in on third down if it's third down and you know about four or five. They need to put him out there to give him another weapon, but. He's a guy that I have really no issue with, um, you know, as my RB2 going into the season. Um, he's going right at the back end of your RB2s in the draft season. So I think this offense showed towards the end of the season that they're, they need to run Derrick Henry. Their offensive line is built to, to run the ball. Um, and I, I do believe that they're going to run him into the ground this season. So I, I think, you know, this might be the year to go out and draft him, even in a PPR setting. Um, the price isn't as, as crazy as I thought it would be, honestly, based off of how he um, based off of how he finished last season. But just kind of looking at the ADP, I mean, we're talking about Derrick Henry as the 20th off the board. 
Marlon Max going 18th. Which one are you taking, Ben Bubba? I'm taking Derrick Henry. I'm with you there. Like Marlon Mack maybe has a little more catches out of the backfield, but Derrick Henry is the better back, and I'll go that route all day long because at the same time, it's probably not my running back one unless you waited. So, yeah, give me Derrick Henry all day long. I'm right there with you. And you mentioned Deion Lewis. I'm just going to bring it up real quick. He's the 48th running back off the board. Pick 140. All right, that's in standard scoring. It keeps resetting on me here. Give me a second. Should still be down there pretty good, but he does have a little bit of a boost. He's 49th, 137 in PPR. He is going to get in there. Like We can't just ignore the fact he's not going to play, and he is a very good pass-catching back. Is there any interest in a guy like Deion Lewis? It'd be like a late pick, maybe even a uh, an early waiver wire type ad, but is it just kind of fool's gold looking into a guy like Deion Lewis, or is there actually something to maybe be excited about? No, there should be something um, there. He's probably worth your last round pick. I mean, you can do a lot worse, uh, especially if you're a person that handcuffs. Um, you could definitely do a lot worse than Deion Lewis in the last round. But if you're deep in your league, um, you know, that, that starts three flexes or something like that, um, he's a guy that's going to have, you know, a, a role. And that's that's really all you need whenever you're talking about deeper leagues and deeper guys and, and you know, more more roster spots to start. So, yeah, he's he's not a nobody. We'll go with that. Yeah, yeah that's why I just wanted to bring him up there because he's super late in drafts, so don't just forget he was even on the team. Uh, last thing real quick here. Joni Smith had a little bit of a role last year. Delaney Walker, the old man, almost the new Antonio Gates role. He's still out there. Anything with the, the tight ends? Because that's one thing Mariota does do when he throws the ball is he does like his safety valves in the tight ends. Yeah, um, as much as I want to buy back into Delaney Walker, uh, just because I love the talent, um, he's he's been a guy that was overlooked for the past five years, and you were able to get him, you know, as like the 15th tight end, and he would always be a top 10 tight end at the end of the year. So last year, of course, he had the devastating injury. Um, this year, coming off of that injury, I'm not sold on him being my tight end one. And I, I don't think a lot of your league mates will be either. So he, he might be a guy that slips through the cracks and you might be able to pick him up on the waiver wire. Yeah, he seemed to be out there on the wire quite a bit last year, but he had good weeks from time to time. So someone to keep in mind. Let's finish up the AFC South with the Jacksonville Jaguars, 5-11 and 11 last year after a 2008, uh, the previous year, 2017-18 year, where they were outstanding. Definitely took a step back. New quarterback in the house, Nick Foles, coming over from Philadelphia as Blake Bortles is backing up with the Rams now. They got Leonard Fournette hopefully staying healthy. They have a receiving core of Keenan, Keelan Cole, Marquise Lee, D.D. Westbrook, who there's so many things to like there, but she just it's hard to tell who's going to get what on a given day. Let's start with the quarterback position here. Nick Foles, we loved what he did in Philly. Jacksonville's not Philly. Do we still love Nick Foles? So I think I'm probably the highest guy on Nick Foles. Um, that being said, he's my 26th ranked quarterback. Um, I did take him in the Scott Fishbowl as my QB number three. So I, I kind of like just the consistency that we'll probably get this year from Nick Foles. Uh, there really isn't a guy that's pushing him behind the depth chart. They went out, they paid him. Uh, they wanted to get out of the Blake Bortles business, which I don't blame them. Um, this is a guy that's shown championship pedigree in the past. Um, However, he did get a big contract whenever he left Philly the first time. Didn't work out for him. Went back to Philly. Obviously, we know what happened there. So this is his second big contract. We'll see what he can do with it. Um, the weapons are there with Leonard Fournette, who we'll talk about. The wide receivers are all small and fast, but can, can run good routes. So the talent is around him. And I, I think he's going to be 
you know, a safer QB two, if you're in a two quarterback league, um, maybe even a streamer possibility um, if you do a, a no quarterback strategy. Yeah. He's either a late round QB type deal. Like you said, streamer as in draft two guys late and just kind of pick your matchups week to week or a definite QB two in a, in a super flex. Don't, don't hate that at all. Cause the upsides there is just what's this offense going to do. And let's go to the wide receiver position. Keelan Cole, Marquise Lee, D.D. Westbrook, we've seen a lot to like at different times, but not a lot of consistency in this group. If you're going into the draft season here, how do you assess these three guys? Because like I said, they all have potential, but it's scary. And then, heck, you even have D.J. Chark, who we thought was a good draft pick, Terrell Pryor's in camp right now, who just a few years removed from a big season. But those big three, they're going to get drafted. How do you approach those? So I think the the ranking of the three is probably D.D. Westbrook, Marquise Lee, and then Keelan Cole. Uh, last year, Keelan Cole was the draft darling, and it turned out D.D. Westbrook was was the guy to own. Uh, Marquise Lee obviously had, had a terrible injury in the preseason, so we didn't get to see anything out of him. Uh, there's actually some talk about Chris Conley looking good in camp, which I can't get behind because I've heard it every single year. Um, so like I said, the wide receivers on this team aren't awful. Like you can do a lot worse than the guys that they are going to be running out there every play. Um, that being said, I, I could see, you know, all three of them being good, you know, every other week, but none of them, not even DD Westbrook, not even what I saw from him last year makes me confident in a week to week starter as your wide receiver number three, as your flex. Nothing like that, uh, unless Nick Foles and John DeFilippo come out and just start throwing the ball around the place. Um, I think these are three guys that you need to probably avoid unless you're in a best ball situation. Yeah, best ball, I think it's a very good call. By week fill-in type stuff. Maybe one of them after a few weeks we see kind of runs away with that number one role. But right now it's it's just such a, a cluster with, with those three on a weekly basis. We do know Nick Foles, at least it appeared – he does seem to like the slot a bit in Philly, but again, different offense. We'll see how it runs and goes through that. So I think Didi's the best option, like you said. It just we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, we'll go to Leonard Fournette here. You hinted on him earlier. This dude is a monster when he's healthy. Again, when he's healthy, it's a theme with some of these guys. He's so, so good. And right now in PPR leagues, 14th running back off the board, 29th overall. This time last year, Colin, he was probably like the seventh or eighth pick, late first round pick in a lot of people's drafts. Now you're getting him late second round or early third round, depending on where, how deep your league is. To me, this could be an absolute steal. Am I missing something here? No, I completely agree. Um, he's a guy that, like you said, he was going so early last year. Um, there was a whole bunch of hope. You know, he only played two games before their week nine bye week. And then, you know, the the issues with the team started to creep up in week 17. Uh, there's been a lot of talk this off season about, you know, him not being wanted there. So he might be, you know, out to prove something this year, which is a little crazy whenever you're talking about a top five pick uh, last year at the running back position. So, you know, you're getting a nice discount at RV number 14 coming into the year. Um, we don't know how this offense is going to look, but we saw what John Filippo could do um, or could not do. In Minnesota, halfway through the year, he got canned. But he, he did like to kind of mix and match the run game with the pass game. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, if you go wide receiver, wide receiver, and he's still there in the third round, he might be a viable option for you. But in a PPR setting, 
less than 30 catches last year. I know he didn't play that much, but, you know, he's not going to be that involved. There's the ghost blue who always seems to have a role everywhere he goes. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm fully comfortable with him as my RB2, but as my RB1, there, there are some question marks that kind of have me leaning another way. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like I see so much potential with Leonard Fournette, but it, it, it can be very, very tricky at times because even right around where Fournette's going, right before him is Damian Williams. you got Aaron Jones, Devontae Freeman, Kerryon Johnson right behind him. Uh, maybe Nick Chubb falls to you or Dalvin Cook. It, it's very, very uh, tricky there. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. I think it's an interesting play that can, can be one of those kind of make-or-break-your draft type plays. If he, if he pans out, you got to steal. Um, Real quick, this I don't think needs to take too much time, but tight end, Jeff Swaim, Josh Oliver, I don't have any interest in those guys. Do you have any interest in them at all? Nope, moving on. Yep. Let's go to the <laughs> NFC South. The New Orleans Saints were just hell on wheels last year, finishing 13-3. on three. Technically, possibly could have been in the NFC title game slash Super Bowl because <laughs> they got screwed Way to make on that half, one. The, uh, half the fans salty already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. I'll be totally honest with you. That was tough, but uh, it happens, and they have a chance to make it right this year. And with uh, an offense, you know that's going to be absolutely bananas. Yeah, Breeze at quarterback, Kamara. They brought him Latavius Murphy, Murray, um, to to fill in the backup role there. Yeah, uh, Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn, Beast there. Josh Hill, Jared Cook came in to play tight end. So much to like here. First off, Drew Brees. We hear about it all the time. You know, it's, you know, home Drew Brees is great. Road Drew Brees is tricky. Not very good. So some people are starting to fade him more and more, which is interesting to me. He's currently the seventh quarterback off the board. What's your thoughts on Drew Brees this year? So my initial ranks had him penciled in as, as a tier two quarterback, you know, probably right in the five or six range. And then I started to think about it. This guy is turning 40 or 41. Um, we saw a little bit last year them just try and lean on the run a little bit more. Um, he wasn't a no-doubter as far as a week-to-week starter for you like he has been in the past. So I moved him down to quarterback number 12. Um, so right at the QB1 threshold, um, he's in my third tier of quarterbacks. That being said, as the seventh quarterback going off the board, I still have Russell Wilson who's going after him, Cam Newton, Carson Wentz, Kyler Murray, um, Phillip Rivers. They're all ahead of him for me. So I'm actually not in the Drew Brees business this year, which is a little scary. And that's the thing is I don't disagree with the takes this year because I think the biggest thing is the home road splits, yes, they're pretty evident. We've said the same thing about Big Ben before, and he still shows up from time to time. Like I, I can't use that as the argument as much. But the point you made, he's 41 years old. Like, eventually, things deteriorate. Even the great Peyton Manning started throwing ducks all over the field, and you saw these guys doing shorter passes and running the ball more. It just happens. You can't do it over and over again unless you have the Fountain Youth or HGH. You decide. Um, so I'm with you there. I think there's, like, like you said, Russell, Cam, and some of those other guys, Wentz and company, a healthy Carson Wentz could be a steal. I think there's a lot to like there, like you said. So I, I like him. If you pick him, I'm not going to judge you at all. I just I think I'm going to take my uh, my talents elsewhere than New Orleans. Let's go to the wide receiver position right now. Michael Thomas third off the board behind DeAndre Hopkins. We already talked about and the always consistent Devontae Adams. 
You got Ted Ginn in towns, Austin Carr, and a few others. Traquan Smith, who had a good year last year. First off, Michael Thomas, you agree, is a you know, top two or three wide receiver, I'm assuming? He's my number two wide receiver, definitely. He was, I actually was able to pair him with DeAndre Hopkins in the Scott Fishbowl, so feeling really Ooh. good about that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, even though I think Drew Brees takes a back seat, they're going to force feed the ball whenever they're throwing to Michael Thomas. I mean, they, they have a couple other weapons that you've, that you've said. Um, we haven't gotten to Kamara yet, obviously, but in the wide receiver position, tight end position, this is the guy, like the dude. Um, there is no stopping him, and it seems like. So uh, he is fully entrenched as my wide receiver number two this year. Yeah, he's a beast. You don't have to explain too much more about him because he's just a beast. That's all there is to it. Um, are you looking at any other receivers here, Ted Ginn, Traquan Smith, anything like as a late two or three on your fantasy team? Yeah, so these guys are, are probably not even going to be drafted in most leagues. Um, I think if I'm going to draft one of them, it would be Traquan Smith. I know there was a lot of hype uh, last year. I think he had one big game whenever no one owned him. Everyone went out, spent a lot of money on him or spent their number one waiver wire ad on him, and he pretty much did nothing the rest of the year. That um, never he was happens a rookie. in fantasy. No one ever does that. <laughs> right. he, he was a rookie last year, um, so he's coming into his second year. Uh, in this offense with Drew Brees, I think there'll be a little bit more trust coming into the year. So I, I, if I'm throwing a flyer, especially in a best ball type situation, I'll be throwing a flyer at uh, Traquan Smith. Yeah, I think that's the guy because God forbid anything happened to any of the other receivers. I think it's consistent playing time. We've seen him step in there and, and, and especially the Ted Ginn role where it's just, hey, Traquan, when I say hike, run. And he does very good. <laughs> he's, he's very, very good at that. Um, you, you hinted at it earlier. Alvin Kamara, we got Latavius Murray in town um, as the backup role now, which is, is, a, is a hell of a backup. And there's been stories about, you know, he might take away the, the, the goal line carries and some other things. But to me, Alvin Kamara is still going to beast out, as I think many predict him to do. Currently, when you're looking at uh, PPR scoring, he's the fourth off the board. You already mentioned you got Saquon, you got Elliott, you got McCaffrey, Kamara, the big four. Can't really go wrong with too many of those. What are your thoughts on, on Alvin Kamara this year? Do you have him fourth on that list, or do you have him somewhere else? So the case can be made for him to go number one. I think it, if everyone, you know, if everyone drafts Saquon Barkley first, then we all expect it. But these these top four guys, like you said, they're pretty much interchangeable, and I've seen it so far in most of the drafts. I've seen McCaffrey go first. I've seen Zeke go first. Uh, of course, Barkley. And then there's Kamara, um, kind of the forgotten guy of that tier. Um, whenever you're talking about those top four guys and he might just be the best of the four. Uh, I have no problem. He right now he's my third, um, but I could see me switching, you know, him to the second. I think it's pretty clear cut that Barkley's the first one. And then it just becomes McCaffrey or Kamara, especially in a PPR setting um, for, for Kamara. So there, there's no doubt about that. He's a stud. Uh, He's going to be involved in this offense. There's, there's no doubt about it. And the one benefit for Drew Brees getting older, not having a great deep ball, uh, that yep. just means more checkdowns to Alvin Kamara, and we're perfectly fine with that as owners. Yeah, you get Kamara in open space. I think we all know how that plays out. It's like multiple 20-plus point fantasy weeks over and over again, which is golden. I, I like I like Kamara quite a bit. I'm with you. I can, I'll sit and listen to the argument if you want to take him number one. Like, I really – I'm not going to judge you. Like, if you go up there and you throw um, – you know, Melvin Gordon, who I love at number one, I'll still give you crap for it. Like, there's still four guys I'd rather have over Melvin Gordon as much as I love Melvin. But you go and put Kamara up there, 
I'm not going to say too much to you on that one. But uh, Latavius Murray, he's in town. We saw him do big things in Minnesota when he got the job and got chances when Cook was out. Even as a backup, he had some moments. We've seen how good the backup role can still be there. We saw Ingram and Kamara both thrive the last couple of seasons. Murray can still get the job done. He's 36th off the board, 90, uh, 36 running back, 92nd overall in you know, a 10-team league. That's the ninth round, 12-team league, obviously, sooner. What's your thoughts on Latavius Murray? Because it's like people are always hyped on Ingram. They don't seem as hyped on Murray. So Murray is a curious case. Um, there's a lot of braver is the word people than me that that actually do a great zero rb strategy and they end up with him as their rb1 and i, cool. I really RB1. don't hate i don't hate it i really don't um you said it yourself mark ingram the past couple of years he's been you know productive enough to provide an rb1 type numbers whenever you're pairing him with you know the receivers that i got in the scott fishbowl just for instance if you go zero rb that could be what your team looks like you know you got DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Stephon Diggs um, as, your, as your wide receivers. And then, you know, you fill out your tight end, you fill out your flex, and then you end up with Latavius Murray. And, you know, it, it might be boring, um, but in this offense, none of, the, none of the productive guys are boring. And like you said, Mark Ingram leaving, there's, there's a lot of production that needs to be um, taken. And I think Murray can definitely, you know, uh, subsidize some of those, those, uh, those stats. And then, of course, heaven forbid, if anything ever happened to Kamara, he's going to be a big focal point in this offense. Um, they did sign Javoris Allen, who was a great best ball pick. Um, if he gets a role for some reason, if one of the guys get hurt, um, then definitely pick him in best ball. But, yeah, I have no problem with Latavius Murray. If I'm not doing a zero RB strategy, he could be my RB2. He could be my flex. Perfectly fine with it. I like it. I like it a lot. You, you broke that down real good because – it just—I I guess I've missed the uh, the love for him because wherever I look, I just—I just don't feel like it's the same as people give it to Ingram. So uh, I think there's a lot to like through with Latavius. And like you said, if God forbid something happens to Kamara, we know how many freak injuries can happen at a running back on turf when their legs get taken out all the time. A lot can happen there. So well, Latavius he has to get right tackled. Up. Kamara doesn't get tackled. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Um, and for those keeping track at home, Javaris Allen is Buck Allen. For those that are playing Buck at home, Allen, yes, yeah. For those that don't know the first name, because I wouldn't have known it either until I looked at it a little harder. Like, oh wait, that's Buck. Um, yep, that's but, Buck. Uh, <laughs> yep, that's Buck. Uh, last but not least, the tight end position. You got Josh Hill, who yeah, he's like a, a punt tight end in DFS most weeks because it's the Saints offense, and that's what you do. Or Jared Cooks in town, who everybody wanted to be great in Oakland, he never was. Are we liking any of the tight ends here in New Orleans? I love Jared Cook. Um, unfortunately, it seems like the public loves him as well. I thought he would be a guy that would be going, you know, at, at tight end number 15, but in half, and that's where he's going. He's going at, as the eighth tight end off the board. Um, we've seen what tight ends can do in this offense, especially talented ones like Jared Cook. Um, I have no problem taking him as my tight end one. The way The way that I draft, I don't know if I'll end up with him as my tight end one because I really don't go – um, for tight ends that early if I miss out on the top tier. But still, I love the talent. I love the situation. Um, not big on Josh Hill, but Darren Arnold showed some some flashes last year. Um, and they do run a lot of two tight end sets. So um, no problem with either of them. Yep, that's uh, you never know with that offense. We know how Drew Brees used to like one tight end called Jimmy Graham quite a bit. So, you know, Jared Cook, Jared Cook does have that big body that can uh, and athletic. So it could be interesting there. 
Let's go to the Atlanta Falcons, 7-9 last year. Previous year, I believe they made the playoffs. Very good team. I think they underachieved at 7-9. and nine. They have a lot of the big offensive pieces coming back, always fantasy viable, because as bad as their defense is, that means Matty Ryan gets to throw it all over the field. And he had like I had to double check earlier this preseason when I was looking at stuff. I forgot just how productive he was because I realized remembered how bad the Falcons were. He's the sixth quarterback off the board, about pick seventy two right now. How do you look at my, Matt Ryan? So would you believe me if I told you that two of the past three years, Matt Ryan was a top two fantasy quarterback? Yeah, it's crazy. But the more you think about how bad their their defenses have been, it makes sense. Yeah, so he, he was right on the cusp of 5,000 yards both seasons, 38 touchdowns, 35 touchdowns last year, only seven interceptions those two years. Of course, 2017, uh, I believe there's a lot of turmoil at the offensive coordinator position, so I'm not going to hold him to it that much, but... Yeah, Matt Ryan is completely underrated in drafts. Um, I've seen him go criminally low. Like, I'm talking about behind guys like Lamar Jackson, behind guys like Mitchell Trubisky, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. For me, he's my QB number seven. He's right in the middle of my second tier. Um, no problem taking him. And if you're a guy that waits on quarterbacks, believe it or not, he could be there whenever you're thinking about taking a Jared Goff, a Phillip Rivers, you know, a Jameis Winston type. There's a lot of people that just have a lot of hate for Matt Ryan for some reason. But, you know, if you're going take quarterback there and, you know, that would be heaven for people like like us that wait on quarterback. That is a sneaky play because, like you said, I guarantee you that at least half the listeners, if not more, would not have known the stat you mentioned by him being a top two quarterback in two of the last three years. I guarantee you that. So uh, yeah. that's a lot, lot to think about. And it also shows you – how deep the quarterback position is in fantasy with the reason why you and I wait for them. Cause I've owned Phillip rivers probably for the last like half a decade at least. And I've had no problem with it at all. So I drafted with almost my like last pick. Like that's just how it works because people <laughs> just don't care about these guys, but they're all very good. And Matt Ryan is a monster. And one reason why he's a monster is he has this big guy, number 11, Julio Jones. Some might say he's pretty good. He's not bad at all. He's one of the big three or four wide receivers coming off the board. You got Mohamed Sanu, one of the guys you picked up uh, late in your uh, Scott Fishbowl. Always serviceable, always forgotten. And then you got the young gun, Calvin Ridley, who had a couple games where he really got it going, but seems to kind of be the forgotten kid. I haven't heard him talked about as much as I thought he would. Maybe, again, I'm not listening to the right stuff here, but, you know, you got Julio Monster. How do you uh, evaluate this wide receiver situation? I love them all. Um, unfortunately, I don't think it's smart for me to put all my eggs in the basket and just take every single person on this offense because, um, you know, we've seen what they've done on the road. We've seen the splits and stuff like that. But uh, we'll start at the top with Julio Jones um, right there as, as a top five wide receiver this year. There's been a lot of people in the past that have that have complained about his consistency as far as, you know, a few weeks he'll do this, a few weeks he'll blow up. Um, but last year he turned in his best season since his record setting season in 2015. He had eight touchdowns on 170 targets. 170. That is ridiculous. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had 113 catches, uh, almost 1,700 yards, bona fide top five wide receiver, even though he's going into his age 30 season. I have no doubts about him still being the playmaker that he's always been. Um, new. Yeah, go ahead. Real quick. And this is literally like grasping at straws here, but I, I remember you said earlier, what differentiates or separates him from DeAndre Hopkins for you that makes DeAndre picked higher than Julio? 
So the case can be made, um, you know, that Calvin Ridley is a polished wide receiver than Will Fuller. Uh, Will Fuller could just be a one-trick pony as far as speed. And, yeah, he's going to get behind the defense a, a lot of times, but Calvin Ridley can get himself open. Um, this is going into his second year. So, you know, that's usually whenever wide receivers truly break out and become all complete wide receivers. So I think the talent around Julio Jones is a little bit better than the talent around Hopkins. Um, you know, that we've seen in the past that Hopkins gets force-fed the ball, just completely force-fed. They completely throw it to him in, in triple coverage and have no wherewithal that it's, that it's a bad thing to do. Um, but as far as Julio Jones, we've seen in the past where, you know, he could be wide open, but there's there's a better play on the outside, and they'll go to Calvin Ridley or Mohamed Sanu. Um, I, I just don't think that Matt Ryan forces the ball, and that's not a knock on on Watson um, because I think Hopkins makes a little bit better of contested catches, um, and they had the, the the faith in him to come down with, with a contested ball a little bit more than Julio. But it's a good question. Um, Hopkins is obviously a little bit younger as well, so – there's always that to, to take an effect. So, um, but like I said, the other options on this offense, Mohamed Sanu uh, reminds me of Kawhi Leonard. Board guys get paid. Um, as soon as I picked <laughs> him, like he, he's, a, he's a boring guy. Like yep. you're, th- you're talking about the third wide receiver um, in this offense, but he has a role. Like he's carved out a role for himself in, in the past couple seasons um, where he's their slot guy, where he's their injury replacement guy. And if he gets on the field as much as as much as he did last season, um, he's going to be a sneaky wide receiver three. And it's not it's not that often that you get, you know, Julio Jones, wide receiver one bona fide. Calvin Ridley has the chance to be a wide receiver two in this offense. And then you're talking about Muhammad Sanu, who could be a wide receiver three. So you could legitimately be starting all three of these wide receivers week in and week out. Um, that being said, Calvin Ridley, huge on to him um, last year, even bigger on him this year. I don't think the hype has caught up um, to him right now. He's the 23rd wide receiver off the board. So right there in, you know, about your fifth round. Um, but I have no, no problem with him being my wide receiver too this year. I love it. I love it. Cause yeah, really the talent we've seen it at Bama. We saw it at times last year. It jumps off the, off the field, like off the, the screen. Sanu, I love it. You, you, you mentioned a great point. He's boring. No one talks about him. He just does his thing. But week in and week out, he's productive. Some weeks more than others. I, I always loved him as a, like a cheap throw-in in a stack with the Falcons. Or then you bring him back, say they're playing the Saints, and I want a couple Falcons. You come back with a Sanu. I think he's really, really underappreciated, like you said. So I love it. And a good breakdown of, of Jones versus Hopkins because it is grasping at straws between the two. But uh, good stuff there. At the tight end position, Austin Hooper, we've seen signs of really good stuff. Not consistently, but good. And Dan Quinn even came out today saying he thinks Hooper can take it to a whole new level. You know, you just loved on the wide receivers, and I know Ryan throws it a lot, but do we have enough love to even throw Hooper in the mix? I believe we do. Um, Over at QB List, there should be another Going Deep article coming out on Austin Hooper. Um, I want to find this tweet because it was a great tweet whenever they compared Hooper um, to to some of the better, you know, tight ends, especially red zone threats. I can't find it off offhand but uh it was something to affect of you know whenever they're in the red zone he's one of the top five targeted tight ends and you know he scored four touchdowns in those targets last year so he's a guy that you know we've been wanting that breakout to come ever since tony gonzalez retired i think 
Um, but this might actually be the year. He's going as tight end number 11. Um, he And whenever you're talking about a tight end one in fantasy football, you're talking about a guy that can give you a big play in one game or a guy that has the possibility to score a touchdown. And whenever we're talking about this offense, there's going to be lots of opportunities to score touchdowns. So once you get outside the top three tight ends off the board, that's what you're looking for in a tight end one. And I have no problem in investing that um, in Austin Hooper this year. Nice. Yeah, he's one of the later guys I, I didn't mind taking in drafts last year. You can get him around the Delaney Walker time, like you're saying again this year. Lastly, with the running backs, Devontae Freeman back in town. He's a little banged up last year, but should be good to go. Yeah, Ito Smith backing him up now as Tevin Coleman is in the Bay Area with the Niners. Uh, Devontae Freeman, another guy that people were pretty high on this time last year. Now he's dropped down to uh, 16th back off the board, 32nd overall. Any concern for Freeman, or are you kind of drafting him thinking bounce back is coming? So I haven't gotten any shares of Freeman yet. Um, I do think that the name value is still there. There's a lot of people that are still drafting him, either at his ADP or a little bit before. So I, I really have no no issue with taking him. Um, like we've talked about for this whole entire breakdown, this offense is a force, force to be reckoned with. So there's there's really nothing about this offense that scares me. Um, that being said, in a best ball situation, uh, I'm loving Edo Smith this year. We, like you said, we've seen some injuries in the past for Devontae Freeman. We've seen the role that Tevin Coleman has had in the past um, where both of them were kind of valuable starters. Um, and, and Dirk Cutter's coming back as the offensive coordinator. That's the guy that was the offensive coordinator whenever Matt Ryan um, took them to the Super Bowl. So, you know, you never know. Uh, and I, like I said, like we said, this whole entire breakdown, this is an explosive offense, and I want to get a lot of it. Yeah, and it's pretty good with Ito Smith. He's going right behind Deion Lewis, right in front of Adrian Peterson, Matt Breida, Devin Singletary, who's a popular name right now. So a lot of uh, good options, but super late pick 139, 50th RB off the board. So definitely something to think about late in drafts, best balls. Like you said, he's a perfect format for, and uh, definitely you'll have on your waiver wire watch list if you did, if he get, gets undrafted. All right, let's head to the Carolina Panthers. Two teams to go here, as, this, as we've noticed, the South – is very, very offensive. That's why it's taking a little longer, but uh, it's really good stuff. Like there, there's a lot of fantasy goodness in the AFC South, unlike the Eastern divisions last week. Thanks Miami Dolphins, Buffalo Bills, New York Jets. Um, <laughs> let's go to the Carolina Panthers, seven and nine. And we, you mentioned them earlier when we were talking about where certain running or quarterbacks go. You talk about, yep, Cam Newton ahead of guys like Drew Brees. Cam Newton, there's so much hate for this guy. Not just, not fantasy, but just hate in general. And it blows my mind. But the talent is there, especially fantasy-wise. He runs it in. He gets running yards. He throws it all over the field. Tell me what you like about Cam Newton this year. So he is uh, right ahead of the guy that we just talked about, Matt Ryan. So I have him as my QB6 um, right at the top of my second tier of quarterbacks. Um, I'm right there with you. A lot of people have been hating on Cam Newton. Uh, Last year coming into draft season, there was the injury concern. So there was a couple places where he didn't even get drafted. Um, coming into this year, there's the same concern. And with a running quarterback, you're always concerned with, with a shoulder injury. Um, but whenever you're talking about Cam Newton, he's, he's pretty much done it year in and year out. Um, I have no problem with taking him as my QB one, but the great thing about Cam Newton is you really don't have to pay that premium. Um, a lot of people are shying away from him, uh, going in different directions, trying to find the next, you know, the next Cam Newton, whenever you can draft the, the one guy that, has been Cam Newton for the past couple of years. So I have no problem with drafting my quarterback one full confidence. 
Yeah, big fan of that there. And the thing with Cam, I think the fact he does run it, it's even more important than most times. Because you look at the receiving core, DJ Moore, people are really high on this year. But outside of DJ Moore, man, it's like, okay, does Torrey Smith have that year? Cam does like to throw it deep. We've seen it in the past. So he could have some, some glimmers of hope. Jarius Wright's in town, Chris Hogan. A lot of kind of – it's not quite the same feel as the Jacksonville Jaguars, but it has that kind of feel of not one real stud in town. What are you doing with this receiving core in Carolina? So there's a lot of people that are going to hate that take because DJ Moore is the 26th wide receiver off the board, uh, 65th overall. So there's a lot of hype behind DJ Moore coming into the year. Um, breaking down his tape from last year, I mean – the guy's explosive, get the ball in his hands, and, and he can do a lot with it. Kind of like the other guy on this roster in Curtis Samuel, but the only thing better about DJ Moore is he can actually run a route, um, and he has better hands. So, you know, DJ Moore is pretty much a bona fide wide receiver two or three for me. I have no problem with him. Um, based on the other guys that you've mentioned in the wide receiver game, I think he's a, a clear and clear-cut wide receiver one in this offense. Um, I do like that... You know, they have DJ Moore, who's who's kind of the polished, um, you know, route runner, speed guy. Um, but I do like that they have a guy like Jarius Wright, a guy like Chris Hogan, who are bona fide route runners, possession type receivers um, to kind of pair with DJ Moore. And then they sprinkle in a little bit of Curtis Samuel. So, um, you know, if I had to pick the wide receiver, two that I want from this team, I think it's going to be Chris Hogan. And he's probably the guy that's not being drafted at all. Um, you're talking about Curtis Samuel. He's the 49th wide receiver off the board. Uh, way too high for me. Uh, ahead of a guy like Kiki Kuti, who we've t- touched on, Paris Campbell, who I'd rather have. Um, and then you have to scroll pretty far down before you get to uh, before you get to Chris Hogan. So I have no problem with um, you know obviously keeping an eye on him because he's not worth the draft pick whenever he's the 101st wide receiver off the board. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he if he does some decent stuff in Carolina. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I know I do like DJ Moore. I just think this, this core as a whole is pretty darn rough. Uh, DJ Moore actually had on my fantasy teams last year as a wide receiver, like two or three in most of my, probably three last year. But I like the Chris Hogan call. We know what Chris Hogan can do when he's with the GOAT. I think Cam will love a possession guy like that to take advantage of this, this receiving core. I think, you know, preseason, you take a lot of grain of salt stuff. I think seeing who he builds a rapport with and who we see run with the ones a lot could help you get some like a late round dart in your leagues. If you're looking for wide receiver depth really late in your draft, but let's get real. The wide receiver one, the running back one is Christian McCaffrey (laughs) and he's a beast again in that big four. Ironically, we've gotten two of them to talk about in this one show. He's a monster. If duplicating last year, I think, is, is asking a lot because what you did last year, you just don't ever see. But he can still be pretty darn good. What's your thoughts on Christian McCaffrey? So if I really sat down and broke down the tape, he's the one guy that would have the best chance to unseat Saquon Barkley for me as the running back number one. So you're talking about a guy. He had 219 rushes for almost 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. They did not take him out at the goal line, which they were talking about all preseason. Um, He was still getting the ball at the goal line, so perfectly fine with that. Then you sprinkle in the the pass game, 107 catches, which is 107 points in a PPR league, which is absolutely insane from from your running back. Um, Almost 900 yards and then another six touchdowns. So you're talking about a guy that gets you 13 touchdowns and almost 2,000 
all-purpose yards. I mean, what else do you want? Um, that there's they're not going to shy away from handing them off the ball. Um, there's been reports out that he's gotten a little bit thicker this year to handle a little bit more of the rushing load. So yeah, if I if I really sat down and broke it down, he's the guy that would have the best chance to unseat Saquon Barkley as my number one overall running back and number one overall pick. So I love Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, there's not much not to love about him. Don't need to go too much deeper in that. The dude is just so, so good, and they're going to rely on him a lot in that offense. Uh, lastly, tight end position, you got Greg Olson, you got Ian Thomas. I'm not overly enthralled with the tight end position. You got anything on them? Not really. There's been a lot of people that are on the Ian Thomas uh, bandwagon, but these these are both guys that you should be able to pick up on the waiver wire. There might be some people that draft Greg Olson just based off the name, but he's been injured the past couple of years, so I'm, I'm probably staying away. Yeah, I'm with you there. He was close to retiring for crying out loud. I'm kind of wondering what we really get out of him this year. But we'll wait and see. Olsen uh, and Cam do like each other quite a bit, so you never know. Let's wrap it up. Tampa Bay Buccaneers 5-11 and on the season last year. You got Jameis Winston. It's his team. They want to know if it's worth hanging on to him and extending him. There's no Fitz magic to screw it up. It's Blaine Gabbert. Literally, they're saying, Jameis, there's no one here to back you up. Figure it out. <laughs> um, this is his role. He's got Chris Godwin, who many of us liked last year. It's his job with uh, Mike Evans, the two of them. A nice one-two punch there in the receiving core. Uh, you got Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones. That's an interesting discussion we'll get to in a minute. And then O.J. Howard and Cameron Brace. There's a lot of fantasy relevance. Just is it going to be spread out too much, or how is it going to look? We'll start with Jameis Winston, who is basically going on free in a lot of drafts right now. When you scroll down the, uh, the ADP, big boy Jameis is the uh, – 16th QB off the board, pick 126 after the likes of Brady, Rivers, Roethlisberger, right in front of Prescott, Trubisky, Lamar Jackson. What are your thoughts on Jameis Winston? I hate Jameis Winston. Uh, he's an <laughs> awful quarterback. The 16th overall or the 16th quarterback off the board is way too high. Um, right now I have him as my 25th quarterback, and I'm okay with that. Um, I think he's an awful quarterback. I do not like his decision-making, um, he's been pegged as like a mobile guy. But if you sit down and watch him run, like I think I could beat him from, from you know, from the snap to, to the right tackle. I mean, he's – I can't say it enough. I, I really don't like Jameis Winston. Um, I think this is the year that he's going to fall flat on his face and prove that he's going to be a backup quarterback moving forward. That being said, um, the options around him – are pretty good whenever you're talking about Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. But you did ask me a little bit earlier, whenever it comes to Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins, what what draws the line in the sand between those two guys. If I'm deciding between Mike Evans, Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown, even Adam Thielen and Keenan Allen, I'm taking all the other guys over him because I do not trust Jameis Winston to hold this job the whole year. And if you're telling me I have to deal with Blaine Gabbert as the starting quarterback, I will be very upset as an Evans or Godwin owner. I'm 100% with you there on the Evans with the Schuster, Brown, Allen, Thielen company. Just for fun here, let's have fun. Evans or T.Y. Hilton? Hilton. Evans or Amari Cooper? Cooper. Stefan Diggs? Uh, that one's a little bit closer. I'll go Diggs, but then then I'll go Evans. So right okay. after Diggs, it'll probably be Evans. That's about the 15th wide receiver. Okay, that's where I was kind of trying to go with this to see where how far does he slide because we know Evans will have like probably six weeks or so where he lights up the board. 
but we remember it from last year. He played DFS on the regular. He had a lot of dud weeks, a lot. Yes, and I think I think did. most of his I think most of his good weeks it might have been Fitz Magic weeks to be honest. So <laughs> um, that's something to really to maybe look back into as we get going on that. Uh, Chris Godwin though, we did see signs of life with him even with Winston and others, and obviously you're not playing the the Mike Evans tag price tag where the others are going. I know you don't like Jameis Winston, but when you look at a guy like Chris Godwin, who I'm having trouble finding on this list. He's the 20th wide receiver off the board. Okay, never mind. That's a little rich. Yeah, that is a little rich. I I slid past that before I started looking. I I figured he was farther down. So that answers (laughs) that question there. Yeah, if he falls in draft season, I might jump on board there. This is tough. This is really tough. Um, Then let's go to the tight ends. O.J. Howard, who people rave about. You have uh, Cameron Brait, who Winston loves, like drools over, it seems like. Two guys there hogging the ball. Howard's the really good one. He's the fourth tight end off the board. Is that too rich for you? It is. Um, I, I've discussed about Jameis already, so I'm really not too into his weapons. Um, the one thing schematically for this offense that's really going to hurt them is the loss of Adam Humphreys. He's a guy that would pop up in, in trivia questions, you know, left and right. Because, you know, who was the guy that's had over 50 receptions in the past four or five years? And and it would be Adam Humphreys. You'd get the first couple guys, but then Adam Humphreys is right there. Um, He's a slot presence that they don't have now. Uh, They got Rashad Perriman on the roster. So they really don't have that slot guy, that safety blanket for Jameis Winston to go to. I mean, I guess you could say Cameron Bright would be that, but they're they're completely different people whenever you put Cameron Bright and Adam Humphreys next to each other. so. That being said, uh, O.J. Howard is is definitely a little rich. He's he's the first tight end off the board after you talk about those top three that we've discussed already. Um, and and instead of paying up for that, I'd rather wait till the end of end of that tier and go with David Njoku or Austin Hooper, who who we've discussed. And then Cameron Bright, if you play in a two tight end league, get out. Um, but if you do want to <laughs> play in that league, uh, Cameron Bright could be an option for you. Yeah, get out, go find some other friends, <laughs> and go from there. Uh, last but not least, if we're really stretching at the running back position, maybe you went zero running backs, you want to take some gambles. You got Peyton Barber, you got Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones is actually the 37th RB off the board, about pick 99 in PPRs. And then you got Peyton Barber, 46th running back off the board, about pick 123. Again, Pey- uh, um, Winston's in town, but these guys could be toting the rock. They could be dropping the ball off of uh, – dropping them off to the running back. Do these guys have any fantasy value to you? Are we just completely staying away from Tampa Bay? So, you know, the price point on these two guys is, is pretty decent. Um, I was big on Peyton Barber last year and he killed me in a lot of year, a lot of leagues just because, you know, I was pretty much right that he would get the opportunity, but he was awful whenever he got the opportunity. Um, Ronald Jones has packed some weight this offseason. I think he's up 20 pounds. Uh, so that could be a good sign for him. And you're not having to pay that premium as the 37th running back off the board. So I don't mind throwing a, a late flyer on Ronald Jones. I think Peyton Barber is just a guy. I'd rather throw an upside pick on on another guy um, than, than roster Peyton Barber. But I think Ronald Jones is worth the pick as the 37th running back off the board, just in case, you know, something good happens this year. There we go. We have a Tampa Bay uh, alike. 
from Colin Weatherwax. Right there. <laughs> I like it. The price of thirty-seven. Yes. Uh, at his position. Yes. <laughs> it's the old saying: everyone has a price. Everyone yes. has a price. Well, this was fun. Yeah, the Southern divisions are really good. Before we wrap up, I'll give you a few minutes if you'd like. Anything you'd like to talk about with your Scott Fishbowl team? You got, you know, you got Bortles, you got Nick Foles, you got Lamar Jackson, Matthew Stafford up top, two QB league for those not keeping track at home, uh, or super flex two QB for those not keeping track at home. You're, you went zero running backs essentially. So you got James White, Sony Michelle, uh, Jarek McKinnon, and others. Your receivers are insane, like you mentioned, with Keenan Allen. Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas is your main four. Then you have many other good ones. David and Joku leading a tight end situation. Like overall, how are you liking how this turned out for you? So this is my first year in the Scott Fishbowl. I tried to get in last year. I uh, didn't make the cut, but really excited uh, about this season. So like I said, during, during the breakdown of one of the teams, um, tight ends went crazy in this league. Uh, they all, the, the top three went all three in the first round. So, I was hoping Kelsey would fall to me at pick eight. Whenever that didn't happen, I pivoted to my my next strategy, which was to to just kind of load up on the best player available. So at the time, that was DeAndre Hopkins at pick eight. Um, came back in the second round. Was very surprised that Michael Thomas was staring me in the face, so went with him. Um, then I got Keenan Allen in the third round and Stefan Diggs is in the fourth round. And in this league, you can start anywhere from three to seven wide receivers. So these aren't guys that are going to be riding the bench for me. These are guys that are going to be, you know, penciled in, or actually I'm going to ink them in, ink them into my lineup pretty much every week. Um, so then, you know, after going those four, those four wide receivers, I did not want to miss out on the back run. Um, I almost did because after my digs pick, uh, let's see, there's two, four, six, seven quarterbacks taken uh, before I was able to take Lamar Jackson. I was hoping Kyler Murray would make it, but he was picked right after Stephon Diggs, so there wasn't much hope after that. Um, so I, I went with Lamar Jackson, and in this league, there's a lot of bonuses for you know running, running for first downs, um, 50 yards rushing gives you five extra bonus points. So a guy like Lamar Jackson, who had 700 yards on the ground in his seven games played, um, well, his seven games started, I'm sorry, um, is pretty awesome um, whenever you can – Hope for an improvement at the quarterback position as far as throwing the ball. Um, really excited about him as my QB1. And then, like you said, I kind of went zero RB. I was really surprised to see Sony Michelle staring me in the face in the sixth round. I actually had to check with a lot of the ADP records. It was um, pretty surprising. Yeah, a lot of the other league mates as well to make sure, hey, am I missing something here with Sony Michelle being in the sixth round? So I um, was able to scoop him up. Uh, got the boring guy in Matthew Stafford in week in, in round seven. Uh, I love the reports. Uh, I, I guess love's the wrong word, but the reports are from last year that he was playing with a broken back most of the year. So yeah, if that's the crazy. case, he's, he's fully healthy this year. Um, I have no problem with him being, um, you know, a quarterback too. And in my rankings, I actually have him as my quarterback number 14. So I have Matthew Stafford and Lamar Jackson back to back at 14 and 15 in my quarterback rankings. So you could you could uh, expect my enthusiasm whenever I end up with both of those guys after, you know, Tom Brady goes off the board. Sam Darnold goes ahead of him. Josh Allen, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, guys like that. So I was perfectly fine with that. And then um, I did I did talk about the tight end position, um, how it's it's so overpriced and and for good measure uh, based off the stats in this league. But I was able to end up with David Njoku in the eighth round, which I thought was a steal. 
Um, there's a lot of mouths to feed in Cleveland, but he's a guy that has breakaway talent. Um, he's only 23 years old, and you know he scored. He has the chance to score some touchdowns as well in this offense. So, um, you know, then I just kind of went with some satellite backs and James White, Tariq Cohen, uh, just kind of stacked the position for New uh, New England with uh, Sony Michelle and James White. I love Tariq Cohen in, in the tenth round. Um, you know, like I said, there's a lot of bonuses for PPR and and running and, and receiving. So perfectly fine with that. Got Nick Foles, who we talked about. And then the rest of my wide receiver just kind of filled out with some some nice lottery tickets and Nikhil Harry, uh, Paris Campbell. I uh, also got McCall Hardman. And then I got the old boring guy and most new uh, to kind of round out, you know, one of my last flexes, hopefully. So, um, you know, going into this draft, I did not know what to expect uh, coming out of it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, the guys in my league were great. We had a, a Twitter group that was fun to keep track of as well. So I'm really looking forward to trying to to bring this whole thing down this year. Yeah, it'll be fun to see how it works. You know, your first time in the NFBC, you took down a, an event there. So maybe, <laughs> maybe you'll take down one of these. You have kind of a, a thing going for you there. So it'll be fun to see how that goes. A lot of the good guys are uh, that I know are, are in the Scott Fishbowl. So fun to see. Hopefully I'll be in it next year and join you guys. Be a lot of fun. But all right, Colin, that'll wrap us up on episode 188 between the Southern Divisions, NFC South and AFC South. Before we leave, why don't you remind everybody what you got coming up and where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SeaWeatherWax13. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'm over at QB List this year. So there's a whole bunch of great content coming out, um, you know, going deep pieces, uh, draft strategies, rankings. We're also having a roundtable debate, I think, once a week, which is which is great to have. I think it's like six to eight people that are going to be sitting down and, and kind of breaking down the same guy. And it's it's great to have those different opinions um, whenever you're trying to make a decision during draft season. So um, you can also catch me on the QB List podcast with Eric Smith, who's the head of QB List. Um, we did a quarterback rankings podcast the first week out. Uh, we're going to be breaking down his running back rankings sometime this week and then also next week since running back's a pretty big position. Um, and then we'll probably do wide receivers, tight ends, and maybe some division previews whenever we whenever we get closer to the start of the season, which is only 50 days away. Um, that being said, over at Friends of Fantasy Benefits, I do some football podcasts over there as well. Um, but there's still baseball going on. But I know you know that. Um, so over at Pitcher List, there's still a lot of great articles going out there. Uh, we'll be doing some dynasty stuff, uh, especially after the season's over, to get you ready for the the start of the next baseball season. And then over at Friends of Fantasy Benefits, still doing a podcast at least once a week, um, just kind of breaking down some waiver wire guys, some some guys that should bounce back in the second half, um, and kind of just dogging on pitching the whole time. That's that's pretty <laughs> much it. <laughs> yeah, the, the pitching is easy to dog on, and rightfully so. Can't blame you there. But uh, as you guys can tell, Colin does a lot of work and a lot of really good work, and I always love having him on the pod. So once again, Colin, thanks for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Bubba. Appreciate it. Hope to do it again soon. Yes, we will. Everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 188. Again, re- uh, previewing the AFC and NFC South for your fantasy football needs. Catch you guys later. <laughs>